Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you. Another Wednesday evening where we continue our reflections into the world stage. This evening, we are talking about the curious case of Benjamin Button. And as it is Wednesday, I have Father Mike Ritter in studio with me. So, Father Mike, great to have you with me another evening. Hey, Joe. As always, it's great to be with you. So, Father Mike, we uh, are really privileged to be able to carry this program on iTunes. Mm -hmm. And so we get listeners from just not the state of California and this country, but uh, other countries. And from time to time, I look at the grid and see what countries are listening. And I just want to continue to welcome all of you who are listening in the countries of Canada, Mexico, uh, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, uh, Portugal, Spain, France, Italy, and all those countries outside of the United States who are taking time out of uh, your busy schedule to spend time with us here in the friendly confines of Chico, California. Yeah. <laughs> it really is uh, an honor that you are taking time out of your busy schedule. So anyhow, Father Mike, uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, uh, this is just one of those movies that has you thinking differently. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very interesting, thought-provoking movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, so just off the top, this is a film that is based on the short story by the popular author uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, mm -hmm. which of course goes by the same name of The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Now, this is a movie that is uh, set at the turn of the 19th century in New Orleans, and I thought the movie did a good job of capturing that, that time frame, if you will. Mm -hmm. Now, it tells of a man who is born tiny, but with a body of an 80-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so just, if you haven't seen this movie, and then, again, we're doing this movie um, because you requested us to do this movie, but if you haven't seen The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, if you can just kind of put that in your mind uh, from the beginning of the movie, it really had you thinking differently. <laughs> That's yes. the only word I can put to it. I mean, so in the beginning of, his, uh, of the movie, Benjamin's mother dies, and his father is caught in the act of trying to be rid of this monstrous-looking child. Yeah. And this baby is described, Father Mike, as a monster. And that in of itself, I think, is going to be a point of reflection. So Benjamin after the baby is found, is cared for in an old people's home where he really grows up the younger, uh, meeting the love of his life, which of course is played by Kate Blanchett. Benjamin Button, when he's older, is uh, played by Brad Pitt. And it is there where they begin this very topsy-turvy life together. He meets her, he's old, she's very young. And so there's just this... Uh, a very unique interpersonal dynamic that is going on, Father Mike, but as it's going on, very revealing about what we've talked about so much before, how we kind of look at the stage as revealing something about us, and just not as individuals, but also certainly as a culture and society. So after this life, he lives with Cape Blanchett. He returns to this old people's home and is there where he dies. On a level, this is a, a film that is, yes, about life and love, um, yes, about living and dying, yes, about grasping each moment and living it to the full, 
But the reality was, and you and I, I think, both agreed, this was a hard movie to watch at points because if it was 166 minutes, it could have been 100 minutes. Yeah. I, I think you said you aged a few yeah. years and watched the movie. <laughs> this is a movie about getting old. I started it as a young man and was an old man when it was over. Yeah. So anyhow, certainly there are a number of things to talk about yeah. in this movie. I think a lot of engaging uh, topics, to the least of which is death, death itself. Yeah, you know, and what what strikes me just off the top is um, whenever, whether in scripture and literature in a movie, you kind of have bookends, it kind of sets the stage or the context, and the bookends here really being uh, infancy and old age and the convalescent home setting. You know, mm-hmm. there is kind of a convalescence or a, you know, in infancy, and uh, we go through life, we become strong, we become independent, and then we kind of make a return to a second infancy or the infancy of, uh, of old age, that, that so much of the stage is the, the old folks' home. You know, and I just, as we uh, started coming on air here, a, a memory just came to me from earlier, earlier this week. I was uh, visiting a patient who's in, in a physical therapy place, in a convalescent place, and I asked him, well, how is it? And he says, you know, this has been such a wonderful experience of the world of the elderly. Mm. And that just mm. really struck me. I, I'd never really thought of it that way. He says, you know, a simple smile, uh, you know, as you go by somebody in the hall, but that just a totally different experience of community. Mm. And um, that really is kind of the stage for the movie, is this yeah. uh, this elderly community. Every time I go into a place like that, I'm, I'm reminded, uh, this is going to be me. Yeah, and one of the things that strikes me, Father Mike, as you're talking about the convalescent home, and my trips to convalescent homes, is uh, my encounter with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability. Everyone that I encounter, not by their own doing per se, mm-hmm. but they they have been made vulnerable in their convalescence. Yeah. And uh, for the most part, while certainly there is this interior struggle going on, and that's going to depend on the individual that you're meeting, there is a certain sense of just many of the walls that they have spent in life building are now gone. Yeah. And so they, they are sharing with you after you get to know them, some of the deepest places of their heart. Yeah. And that's what really struck me as I was watching this movie, just not in the elderly, but also as Brad Pitt, Benjamin Button, grows to be very young, uh, there's just this sense of caring for the vulnerable. Yeah. If these are the bookends of the movie and, and we're reflecting on human life, you know, the world stage, these are also the bookends of our life, the, the vulnerability of infancy, being a child, being helpless, being vulnerable, mm. the vulnerability of old age, being weak and vulnerable and kind of helpless, that these really do um, set the parameters or they put the lifelong struggle for strength, for independence, whatever, uh, they put it into the right perspective. And I think it's a perspective that oftentimes uh, is not clearly in focus for us as we're in the uh, the daily minutia of our lives. Yeah, the busyness of our lives. And really to say that... Uh, <laughs> To enter into a convalescent home is to encounter the vulnerable, is to say that we are encountering also the strong. Yeah. Because to become vulnerable is to become strong, because that is the place of growth. Absolutely. And just to take the, the movie at face value, it takes the natural progressive progression of things in life and it turns it around and backwards. Yes. This man's yep. growing yep. younger, he's not growing older. And I think it does speak a little bit to the backwardness of our culture where we kind of idealize or idolize the young, and mm-hmm. we kind of don't have a whole lot of uh, respect or care for or focus on the old. You know, mm-hmm. everybody wants to be uh, 
the idols, the stars, they're teenagers, but this culture doesn't really gravitate towards the wisdom and the experience and, and the maturity of the old, the elders. Yeah. And uh, in the same way that uh, this movie turns the growth around, I think it points to the backwardness of, of our culture. Yeah, everyone wants to stay in the prime of their life. Yeah. And if they're not in their prime of their life, they want to fast forward or to some degree rewind. Right. But it's all about the prime of their life. Mm-hmm. And when I was reflecting upon this, I couldn't help but think, and I don't know, I'm sure this is somewhere in the doctors of the church, or rather the spiritual masters, but <laughs> the age of Christ's death, it's as if God says, you want to stay in the prime of your life? Mm. Look at my son on the cross. Yeah. This is what the prime of your life looks like, dying to self. He's 33. He's 33. Yeah. And by all measures and by all standards, Father Mike, 33, that's a pretty good... How old are you? <laughs> 34. I would, oh, 30, have been, okay. I would have been gone for a year by now. You're over the hill, brother. Yeah. <laughs> no, so it's as if God takes our concept of what is prime, if you will, and literally, of course, crucifies it hmm. and says, if you want to be what is life-giving, if you really want to enter into what is prime, the prime factor... Enter into self-denial. Enter into the mystery of the cross. And as you were talking about last Sunday, see how good you look on wood, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So for me, this this, uh, issue of uh, particularly, I mean, the movie is so immersed in this culture of the elderly, so much so that you have an old man baby. But one of the the love interests, you know, one of the things that she says, uh, Kate Blanchett, one of the things that she says to him as he's young and getting younger is, you know, the relationship really couldn't continue because ultimately I'm going to have to take care of you and I can't, I have to take care of our kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I, it, it occurred to me like, but yes, but th- this is the progression of things. You know what I mean? We mm. do return to this dependent thing. Um, yes, we do end up having to take care of our parents uh, in the same way that they took care of us. I was sharing with you this uh, article by the, uh, the Christian ethicist, uh, Gilbert uh, Maylander. He wrote a great article about uh, end-of-life issues and advanced directives, and the name of that article is, Yes, I Do Want to Be a Burden to My Family. Yeah, I I think that's a powerful line. Yeah, and you could find it online. It's a a 10-minute read. And um, he says, look, you know, so often as we ourselves do our planning about uh, advanced directives and this and that and what would happen to me in the hospital, we say, I don't want my kids to have to worry about this. I I Mm. want everything done for them. I don't want to be a burden. I... And we almost don't acknowledge death at all. You know, yeah. I want it to be as if almost it didn't happen. And Maylander says, no, I don't think that's right. Um, what is family if not the institution that gives us a claim on one another? Mm. Now, this is what it is to be family. Um, sometimes we ask, uh, even even after death, what would mom or dad have wanted? And and um, somehow that's not the question. It's what no, what does right. our being family demand of us now? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that, that to me really... That idea, I, I can't take care of you. Um, this is what it is to be family. Mm. It brought that aging, dying, returning to the infancy of old age, let's call it. The, the movie, it, it flips the growth backwards, but the bookends there give the whole meaning. Yes. You know, and there is this, um, I'm calling it the, uh, the the vulnerability of infancy, but but also the vulnerability of the infancy of old age. And whichever way you run that progression, yeah, uh, the meaning of what's in between has something to do with the way we embrace life on both sides mm. of that coin. As you're talking, Father Mike, I am made to reflect upon St. John Paul II, who was very well known for his 
charismatic presence, mm-hmm. right? So for the first 15 years, and to some degree beyond those first 15 years, he was very charismatic, he was very engaging, but in 1993, he's diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, yeah. and he begins to slow down. Yeah. And Cardinal Ratzinger, of course, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, Cardinal Ratzinger, who was then the, the prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, uh, the question was posed to him, is it time for us to get a new pope? And uh, Cardinal Ratzinger says, no, 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 he has still something very important to teach us. Mm. And in point of fact, he was just sharing with me, and then Pope John Paul II would talk about this later, but in in the quiet of one of their meetings, John Paul II shared with Cardinal Ratzinger that uh, after he found out he he had Parkinson's disease, it was time for him to show the world that there is a gospel called suffering. Mm. That the last 12 years of his pontificate was about this proclamation of the gospel of suffering, Mm. that indeed there's something life-giving here, that my life isn't measured by just my charismatic presence. There's something greater going on here. And I think it ties in to to what you're saying to some degree. Yeah, I was reading a book on spirituality not too long ago, which talks about uh, different stages. There's that most of our life being wrapped up in this stage of giving my life away. But sometimes we overlook the uh, the important work of giving our death away. Mm. Uh, I spent uh, five years in a seminary run by Benedictines and uh, monks, and one of the things that always struck me whenever you have a monk's funeral, I always thought, like, man, these people know how to die, mm. you know, mm. in a way that uh, proclaims faith and in a way that speaks of peace, and that's certainly not, uh, you know, they, they had their cemetery on the property, and every now and then in the morning you would, uh, you'd see one of the Benedictines standing outside at the grave of a... Uh, a friend for life who is now mm. gone. There's certainly mm. a sadness, mm. but these men understood that part of their calling and the, the holiness of, of death, which can be a gift, uh, something that's given away, uh, not something taken by nature or by God, and also something that has a real power to bless. Uh, a friend of mine used to tell the story of one of his monk heroes who was like uh, welcoming death like, a, like an old friend. And yeah. he'd ask the doctor, how do I know when I'm about to die? And he says, well, your fingers will start to turn blue. And he said, as I sat at this man's bedside, he would be pinching his fingers and, <laughs> and he would hold yeah, them up yeah. and say, are they blue yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there, there's just something there. The movie um, Age and Wisdom and the, the cultural embrace of the elder, that's very, I think, a challenging and, and a prophetic witness to the mm. culture. But there also is this um, invitation to maybe take a second look it's not only in the getting our lives together and giving them away, and that's so much of our lives for our families, our work, our ministry, but there's also this uh, second and equally weighty call to give our death away in such a way that it blesses. Yeah, and that death doesn't just start with decomposition. Right. Right? The body begins its process of disintegration long before that, and even long before the blue fingers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we were talking in the coffee shop about yeah. this. And, and the great insight was uh, from this book yeah. was that we look at old age as it's just something awful and it happens and your body's failing you. But with mystical eyes, this is the body's uh, formation of the soul and a mm-hmm. new kind of monasticism. Yep. yep. The, the walls of the monastery trained the monk to be solitary and to pray and to, to be still. But for those of us who don't enter the monastery, the body becomes that discipline itself. It doesn't allow me to go out and run the way I used to it. It uh, trains the soul in maturity and stillness and contemplation. And so we might think of aging as a, as a, a formation in a monasticism of the soul, a preparation for that 
that final uh, stage where death becomes a gift and a blessing. Amen. And that's beautiful. And we have to remember, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. What are temples? Temples are that which is holy. Yeah. And so death itself, we are taught on the cross, is holy. And yeah. so when we begin that process of dying, as you're talking about it, the, the process of disintegration, I mean, arthritis, uh, the loss of hair, and I know I think I've got a little more hair than you do, <laughs> but uh, both of us have a lot of surface up there, Yeah, there's, think, right? there's, there's a lot of space for thought. <laughs> yeah, a, so, lot of, a lot of reflection there. Yeah, and so this, this book ends really, for me, changed the shape of how we tend to think about life, and that is that I start low, and I kind of arc up, and then I reach the peak, and then my body and my life are kind of going down again. Yeah. But uh, having this child born as an old man really points to something for me, and that is that death and dying and aging is itself a birth. You know, that this is not, I reached my peak and now I'm back down mm-hmm, at the bottom, mm-hmm. but the, this movement into a new stage where even my body seems to be on the decline is really just uh, moving me into a new birth, uh, preparation of the soul for a new life. And that new life is defined, Father Mike, by choices. There's, a, I think, a pretty important line by Benjamin Button when he says, Life is defined by moments, even the ones we choose to miss. Mm. There he's speaking from a life lived. Yeah. For him, as he's aging backwards, he's now younger speaking to this. But I thought that was a provocative line, even within the context of what we're talking about right now, because each and every one of us, Father Mike, are faced with decisions as we age. Are we going to grab hold of this cultural demand to stay in the prime of your life? Or are you going to give birth to that which is inside of you, your soul? Hmm. And St. Elizabeth of the Trinity talks beautifully about how God desires to take permanent residence in your soul. Hmm. Are we going to allow this to take place? And so we have these decisions to make. And I mean, to talk about birth, then, is to talk about life, and to live is to choose, and, and to choose is to love, and, and to love is to will the good of the other. You're talking about death as being a gift. If we are dying to self, less concerned about you know, how many gray hairs we have, and I can talk about that because all my gray blends in with the blonde, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You're not quite yeah, there yet, but yeah. less concerned about that, and more focused with just giving yourself away, Yeah. right? Just giving yourself away. That's what it's about. C.S. Lewis says, the smallest good act today can be and ought to be the strategic point from which you do great things two months from now, Mm. things that you would have never dreamed of doing. And that will take place, C.S. Lewis says, because good itself increases at compound interest. Yeah, I like that idea of compounding. Yeah, it's, it's the grace upon grace. The next grace is going to be different than this grace because the next grace is built upon a new grace, a new grace received, right? And what you feed grows. And if we are giving ourselves away, if we are giving our death away, what are we doing? But you used the word birth earlier earlier again. We are giving birth to others. Yeah, I have this conversation with young uh, discerners oftentimes, the the logic of the compounding uh, goodness that you're talking, speaking of. Uh, Jesus puts this logic right out in front of us. He says, those who are faithful in small things will be entrusted with great responsibilities, the the compounding that... Mm -hmm. um, the question about giving my life away so often, what is that big, great thing that I'm going to do or accomplish, mm. rather than the way my choices uh, for uh, you know, small self-donation or whatever, the way, the way my choices shape me to be a man who gives. Mm. Mm. And if, a man who, if I'm a man who gives because it's who he is and that expresses itself in the minutia, the everyday small stuff, 
well, then I have a lot of muscle mass to carry the big stuff when it comes. Mm. Amen. Well said. Yeah, another thing about this movie, Father Mike, that struck me is that if we're going to call it for what it is, the film's ideology is very deterministic. Mm. It, it wants to offer up this commentary on fate and chance. And yet, uh, this is problematic for us in our faith because we never speak of coincidence, but God incident, mm-hmm. right? We talk about coincidence, and when we do, we see that, well, you know, it's just this um, concurrence of events that have no perceptible connection, yeah. right? That there's nothing intervening, that there's, there's no one overseeing. And this is problematic because it leaves everything to chance in the end. And moreover, it really puts God's sovereignty and dominion to the margins, now, there was never a time in the life of Christ where he came upon a situation and said, huh, this is a coincidence, or this yeah. is interesting. Everything had this kind of divine quality. Everything was charged, pregnant with eternal significance, because yeah. he saw each and every encounter as, yeah, this, this divine encounter. Mm-hmm. And I believe this to be very important for us in our own journey of faith. And another thing that hit me as I was watching this movie, because... If all we are left with is chance encounters, then how is it that we are going to give birth? Mm. What's going to drive us to give birth in these encounters as we are talking about it? it this is not a game of chance. Yeah. I was talking about this in my book a little bit, and I think it was uh, Albert Einstein who said, you know, God doesn't play dice. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't leave things to chance. And so while there's a whole series of events that impact one thing and and the next thing, ultimately we are to see that God's sovereign hand mm-hmm. is is a part of it all. Yeah, the I often speak of uh, of the German theologian uh, Karl Rahner. He he wrote a prayer called God of My Life. And in that prayer he says, God, if I can't see you in the everyday, then I won't see you at all. Yeah. Listen, if I can't feel the weight of divinity in everyday stuff, then I won't feel the weight of that divinity at all. Yeah. And he calls us as, as Christian people really to be uh, mystics, and, and by that, he means the mystic is not the one necessarily who ha- we think of the great mystics, Teresa, John of the Cross, yeah, all of these yeah. people. He says, but the mystic of today is the one who sees uh, the weight, feels the weight of divinity, sees mm. the presence of God in the everyday moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly there's there's something to be said in what you're, in what you're sharing, and certainly there's, there's something of that uh, weightiness in the movie. You mentioned St. John of the Cross there, Father Mike, and Uh it was him, you know, who said, in the evening time of life, Mm. we will be judged by love alone. Mm. Mm. And if we are to come full circle with this movie that is all about coming full circle, earlier you were talking about how the character played by Kate Blanchett was concerned about caring for him when he was young. She wasn't sure what to do with that, right? And of course, the movie ends... She is there holding Brad Pitt, Benjamin Button, as an infant. Yeah. And she was loving him. And really, if you were to probe into that point and kind of blow that up a little bit as it relates to how the movie was progressing, she was growing to love him more. Hmm. And ultimately, she was caring for him in one of his great vulnerabilities as he was an infant, needing his diaper changed and all the rest. She was loving him. In the evening time of her life, Mm. she was loving him, and that's what made the movie so provocative. He's an infant. Yeah. But in that uh, provocation, we are made to appreciate, I think, that great line from St. John of the Cross. Oh, yeah. In the evening time of life, we will be judged 
by love alone. So it's a great, uh, that's a great point of discernment in our own life and our efforts at loving. Is it, is it leading us, preparing us for that place, that, that uh, evening time of life kind of love? Yeah, because in the end, we don't know when that evening is. Right. right? We don't know our 11th hour of our life. Mm-hmm. Yes, for many of us, it's when we're 70, 75, 80, whatever it may be. But in reality, we know that God can take us whenever he chooses to take us. Yes, so these, the, this evening of life, these really are the bookends, and you know that, to a certain degree, uh, defines, gives the meaning to all the pages. Yep, yep. Uh, so this movie, this movie was great for that. It, it certainly, uh, as its title indicates, it is curious. <laughs> <laughs> but a great movie yeah, and worth, yeah. worth taking a look at. We are seeing, you and I, with some excitement, we're seeing a new movie this week. Yes, The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm pumped up. Yeah, it is. It's another, well, I say another musical. Well, yeah, another musical because we did Les Mis. We also have La La Land in the queue. Yeah. Some of that decision-making is, is yes, Father Mike and I, but also... Uh, these movies that you have requested. I have received a number of requests uh, to talk about The Greatest Showman. So that is what's next week. I think it's going to afford us, Father Mike, an opportunity to really get into, once again, that von Balthasar theme of the stage. You know, we try to incorporate this theme into our reflections because it's really what drives us, and certainly The Greatest Showman is going to be an opportunity to do that. So I think it's coming to the end of its run in the theater, so if you have a chance to get out this week and check it out so you can... uh Walk with us as we discuss it next next week, will it be, right? Yep, yep, next Wednesday evening. All right, yeah. Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? God of power and of might, you call us to greatness, and you always accompany us in the different chapters of our lives. We ask for the graces we need as we strive to follow you, who are the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.